Hello and welcome back to another Buffy podcast. I'm Trevor. And I'm Kristen. And we're going to geek out about Buffy. (laughs) Today's episode is for season one, episode four, Teacher's Pet. Our first Xander episode. Yeah, our first Xander-centric episode. (laughs) There's quite a few in this series. There are, yeah. There are. I, when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, there are more than I really thought there yeah. are of yeah. that, that are like Xander-based, which is kind of interesting. And I feel like there's not, correct me if I'm wrong, are there, is there a lot of Willow-based? Uh, I know there's, I can think of one specifically when the the doppelganger comes over into this universe, but I can't yeah. think of more than that. There's not a... There's not a ton that are like just Willow, which is kind of weird. And also, one of the Willow episodes is my like hands down least favorite episode of the series, and it's from season seven. Which one is that? Um, without it called? spoiling the, it, the, the killer in me, I think. Oh, is that with the guy who takes the slices of skin? No, that's like the first episode. That one's good. That one like has some nuance and it's good. The one that I'm thinking of is also, it's like Willow and Kennedy centric. Oh God, yeah. And I'm a real big anti-fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. I do I do remember that story. Uh, forgot that they did that. Yeah, I think it's probably because Willow is such a rich character and she's so heavily mm-hmm. involved in the entire series. Unlike Xander, who is kind of like the punching bag mm-hmm. and sidekick. Yeah. So he gets these episodes that are kind of like, well, let's just focus on this guy because he doesn't really have these big beefy yeah. arcs. And they are, to be honest, some of the best episodes of the series, oh, in yeah. my opinion, Definitely. because of what they're they're able to dig into these nuances of Xander's character that I think get really passed over whenever he is part of the ensemble. Because we have already in four episodes given Xander a lot of shit. <laughs> but it's not to say that I think he's a totally irredeemable asshole character. I think he is he is and can be interesting. I think the issue sort of lives in the fact that he's only interesting he is only as interesting and nuanced as he is as he can be when he is the main focus. When he is not the main focus, he is comedic relief only right. for the most part. Or just like hard judgmental about everybody else's choices. Right. <laughs> like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's definitely... And, and they, they constantly throw jokes at him throughout the entire series. All of the side characters, everybody's just like, well, you're, you don't bring anything to the table. All the way till the right. end of the series. They're like, you know, until the comics is when they really kind of give him his yeah. own and he's like a general and he's Which a is lot one more. of the reasons I loved the comics yeah. because it was like, there was so much cool stuff with him. He had really like let go of a lot of his anger because that's a big Xander thing throughout the series is that... He is angry and he feels entitled to things that you have to earn and he doesn't want to earn them. He just wants to have them. And I think that is like a that can be a pretty normal, you know, teenage dude thing to think because you just are handed a lot of things. But at the same time, it's like we don't really get that growth until like a whole different set of people had hands on the character, which is. A little bit of a bummer, to be honest, because I would have loved to see Nicholas Brendan 
really dig into that a lot more. And as it stands, we have like maybe six episodes where we get a deeper glimpse and he's able to do something really fascinating acting wise. And I think that's not enough. Yeah, especially with like him and not to get too spoiler, but him and Spike's relationship in the comics, I would have loved yeah. to have seen that play out in the show, like in <clears throat> with act the actual Definitely. actors. Absolutely, definitely. It like makes me so sad that we like never got to see that because it we it is like a tiny smidge at the end of season seven. You know, they're like in a place that's okay, the two of them, but yeah. they get into a place so good in the comics. And I just remember being like, thank God that these artists are at least drawing them so they look like Nicholas Brennan and James Marsters because I can at least imagine they're doing it. Right, but yeah. it was, still was like so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> it was there was a lot of responsibility in the way they ca- they handled all the arcs and everything in the comics. Yeah. Um, De- I definitely agree. But uh we'll we'll get to that when we get to the comics. <laughs> I'm going to have to finish. I never actually did finish. Oh, really? I think, yeah, I, don't, I think I didn't finish 11 or 12. Oh, wow. You've... The email that you sent me has been living in my inbox since you sent it to me oh, like the 18 months ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's great too about 12 is like, in un- unlike the other seasons where it's like, it's just like the show where they kind of slowly get into what the big bad is and then near the mm-hmm. end. Season 12 is just like this tight little story that closes out the series officially. That's nice. It's just yeah, like, we're nice. going to come in hard. This is the big story. We're going to hit all these beats and it it covers everything. I won't spoil, but it covers every, the entire awesome. um, everything of Buffy. So it's good. You'll You'll enjoy it. Uh, but this episode, episode four of season one. <laughs> yeah, we are way far away from that. I know episode one of season or episode four of season one. We're coming in like we're so in season twelve when Xander and Spike, <laughs> who you haven't met yet. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he's not in it yet. Yeah. Um. So in this, anybody who hasn't watched uh, or hasn't rewatched it yet, um, this episode is the one where a substitute teacher comes in. And she has a liking to Xander and all the other young boys in school. And it turns out... Creepy. Creepy. Very (laughs) creepy. I don't suppose you'd like to come to my place tonight to work on it there. Come to uh, your place. And the show, (laughs) I will say, I haven't rewatched it. I only watched Dawson's Creek the one time. But the show handles the teacher-student thing because it's the same gender... Um, yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. This I can't gender think of dynamic. Yeah, yeah. Same it's gender an adult dynamic. female teacher and a young and a student, boy. male student. Yeah. So it's the same thing as Dawson's Creek, but Dawson's Creek made it romantic and made you. They they did. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought up Dawson's Creek because Will and I are mid season one rewatch because they put it on Netflix recently, mm-hmm. and we finally got to the end of that arc in Dawson's Creek. But we have watched other shows that where that has been a storyline and it's never really been as gross because it's always relatively clear that the teacher is a predator, but it was so gross, especially because in season one of Dawson's Creek, they are 15. And at one point, Pacey has the nerve to tell the teacher, I'm the best sex you're never going to (laughs) have. Let me tell you something. You blew it lady. Cause I'm the best sex you'll never have. You're wrong about one thing, Pacey. You're not a boy. I forgot about that. And I just, I was like, first of all, you're a virgin. And second of all, that is incorrect. There's just absolutely no way. 
It was hilarious. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. But I do agree with you about this, that they, it is a lot more predatory. Yeah. And Literally. I would say, obvi- yeah, specifically because she is a literal predator, like an animal predator. Right. So I do like that interpretation of it a lot more. And I haven't been able to bring myself to watch that new Hulu show called A Teacher with Kate Mara and um, Nick Robinson yet. Oh, no, I haven't. It's basically about this sort of same thing. Oh, but- yeah. I heard people were saying like it's romanticizing yeah. it as well, right? I do. I can't speak to it because I haven't watched it. Oh, but. Okay. What I've heard about the show is that it's like extremely campy and sort of ridiculous and over the top. So it's sort of, it's sort of like a trashy fun thing to watch. But I would, I mean, everything I've seen leads me to believe that they're supposed to be in love with each other, and that is just so creepy. <laughs> it's very so creepy. creepy. Well, that and that's why I love the way Buffy handled it handles it as opposed to Dawson's Creek and the other shows because they all. Yeah. Because obviously, if the genders were switched, it's instantly creepy. It's like, no matter what, he looks at a younger girl and it's like, Mm -hmm. that's awful. And so this way, (laughs) it's always portrayed as just like this romantic thing and and TV shows and movies. And then on Buffy, it was very much... And that's what that's how Buffy succeeded so well is they were able to take these really complicated things in real life, turn it into a monster and be like, no, no, Mm -hmm. this is awful. Look. Yeah. Like, this is really like, bad. She, she's a literal monster. <laughs> yeah, like, she, what are you thinking of? This is Because that is so, it's so interesting that way. I think one of the only things I've ever seen where it was a male teacher and a female student where it didn't immediately set me on edge was Pretty Little Liars. Mm-hmm. Because when those two characters meet, they don't know that they're teacher and student. Oh, they, right. like, meet before he has started being a teacher. The issue arises when they carry on their relationship yeah. <laughs> while he's her English teacher. And but also, I mean, the age the age gap is really small and that one is like he's fresh out of college and stuff. So it's like it's not good, but it's that's the only one where it's a male teacher where I've been able to stomach it. I right. watched like six seasons of that show. And I think you're right, the way that Buffy is able to make a metaphor out of all of these like huge, you know, things that you come across in your life, whether it be a predatory adult or, you know, to go further ahead, like losing your virginity or having somebody die that you're close with, things like that. Abuse of stepdads, 100%. It's really, really interesting the way that they are able to, like, that's just what I feel like they did in the writer's room is they must have just been like, what's a horrible thing that can happen to you as a teenager? What monster could that be? And it's just like... (laughs) Cool, man. It works every time is the thing that's so interesting. And I think what keeps the show so fresh through the years. I mean, it's been literally 23, 24 years since it premiered. And it still, it blows me away every time I watch an episode that I've seen 15 times before. It's crazy. Yeah. So well done. <clears throat> um, so that, yeah, that's what this episode's about. Um, um, statutory rape. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes, it's so, horrible. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, it is, it starts basically with Xander having a dream of being the knight in shining armor to Buffy. You all right? Thanks to you. You hurt your hand. You still be able to finish my solo and kiss you like you've never been kissed before? <sighs> Which is always. 
it's basically his thread in what we were speaking to earlier. It's like his yeah. seven seven season thread where he needs Buffy to rely on him. Yeah. And I mean, what's what does become interesting about that is that she does rely on him. It's just never the way he wants her to rely on him. Right. Which is, I mean, that's, you know, it's the type of thing where it's like, that's your failing, not mine. Like, it's not my fault that you want something from me that I don't want to give you. Right. And that is sort of, I wish they had ever explicitly had that conversation, Buffy and Xander. And I think if the show were made today, they absolutely would. But that is something that sort of always struck me as weird is that she never was like, okay, here is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Please <laughs> let's not discuss it. Stop being just, weird. <laughs> just get over it. But I do I do think that that is interesting. He He has such a very teenage boy way of needing to be needed by her and and then he makes it he consistently makes it her problem right which is the one of the things that frustrates me the most about his character yeah and i think to that point the things like him fantasizing about wanting to be her hero wouldn't be problematic on the surface like people yeah. obviously have fantasies about people or whatever and that's all on your own and we get to peer into his mind and you wouldn't hold it against him you're like oh if that's your fantasy that's your fantasy but the sure. fact that he's like out there shaming her and objectifying yeah. women in front of her and like doing these things openly then you're like okay there you yeah you're doing all the quiet stuff out loud friend exactly and he he's putting all of the ownership for his own failings and his own weaknesses and his own insecurities he's he's putting all that ownership on buffy when she's just like i'm not even in this with you dude like yeah. what do you what are you doing stop projecting yeah stop projecting on me and one of the other things about this episode that makes me really more sad than frustrated is this is, I want to say, like, the first in a, not like a huge string, but I want to say, like, three or four instances where we see a teacher give a shit about Buffy. Yes. I know you can excel in this class, and so I expect no less. Is that clear? Yeah. Sorry. Don't be sorry. Be smart. And please don't listen to the principal or anyone else's negative opinion about you. Let's make them eat that permanent record. What do you say? Okay. Thanks. And then immediately they are killed or eaten or she has to drop out of whatever. And it's just, it's so frustrating because she's so smart she really yes. is smart but she's always been told that she's just like a dumb valley girl and so she doesn't play into it but there are these teachers along the way who are like you could actually do this and they give her this this like tiny little bit of faith and then they're immediately devoured by something right yeah it's so sad to me that she never like had somebody to to bolster that mm -hmm. for her because even giles who learns to like understand and and utilize the strengths that she does have is never like you're really smart you should trust your instincts more he's always right. like well i didn't even give you the slayer handbook i knew it wouldn't make a difference and i'm right. like but what if she had had it like <laughs> you, you don't know <laughs> you don't know what she could have done if you had done this the right way yeah 
this at the the end of this episode when she picks up his glasses, having seen that journey with her losing these figures, yeah, um, always chokes me up. Her picking up those broken yeah. glasses and just like I just lost someone who believed in me, knowing yeah. how her, especially like going me for me going through divorce as a child seeing mm. that like seeing someone living with a single parent and then like yeah. having that struggle and then also like wanting some kind of because the theme at least i've noticed with all the they're all men they're all mm-hmm. uh te- the, all the teachers that believe in her are men so it's like this and her father is revealed later to be kind of just a piece of yeah. shit and because and uh, that goes into her relationship with giles too which is a very father-daughter situation and it just it is sort of a bummer that at at no point do, do any of these male authority figures in her life just say i trust you implicitly to do what's right right it's really a, it's really annoying <laughs> yes it is and 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 watching them the, the thing that's interesting and this is this we're just always i think we're just gonna have to always go in a little bit further because they mm-hmm. these episodes do tie so 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 much so strongly yes yeah. yeah. so, so, so the these uh, for instance, this character, the therapist later, this principal, yep. they all die and they all believe in her. Even though mm-hmm. the principal did the joking, like putting it together, like he still thinks she can be good. The therapist later thinks she can be good. Yeah, and Flutie, he he does he does push her to be better, where he like tries to keep her from leaving school grounds that day. Right. In episode two, I think. And it's just like it he wants her to do better and he wants her to succeed at the school. He He's going about it in a sort of sarcastic way, but I think that's nice in the grand scheme of things. And it does just, they are all just mauled to death. Well, it's and, horrible. And it really is horrible. And it gets worse and worse. It does like, get so much worse. So much it's worse. like the way they die is more horrific every time. It's like, what are you saying? Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I, I the thing I was thinking about watching this episode is, and we'll have to see as we're uh, rewatching it with this in mind. But um, she stops losing these um, father figures, quote unquote, once she realizes what Giles means to her. Like w- that episode when she yeah. when he, she <laughs> uh, he basically is just like Giles, your watcher has too much of a father's love for you. From mm. there on out, it's like, okay, this is my father figure. And then they kind yeah. of lose that whole, she's mm. losing all these people who believe in her because she has this person who believes in her. Yeah, I would argue that, um, because I, I still I still think that it's not until like the extreme end of the series does Giles actually implicitly trust her to do to do things you know the way that he believes is correct or whatever but i i think a big character that does this for her also is spike i think he sort of is he is trusting and respectful of her abilities from the word go Mm -hmm. i mean he does want to kill her for quite a long time but he respects her abilities as a slayer and he is he never questions her authority in that way which is one of the reasons why i do love him so much (laughs) so he's so great spoiler alert so great (laughs) um also i just (laughs) this is so random and a really weird segue but one of my favorite songs of the entire Buffy series is in this episode. Which one? The Already Met You by Superfire. Oh. First date's the worst date. It's hard to know just what to do. 
Yeah. Where it's like, I do like that one. Because it's on the, <laughs> it's on the original, the uh, Buffy soundtrack, like the one that they, the very first one they released with songs yeah. from the show and songs that I had that one. I know. And I had it and I lost it. And I recently just like looked it up and found them all and then, nice. and then like made a playlist. But that song for some reason is like my, that's like, that song is Buffy to me. So when it plays, I'm like, yeah, we're getting in it. <laughs> The oh man, the one for me is the um, it's called "Stupid Thing" from the first episode of Spike. That's the song that is Buffy to me. I'm like, nope. And I was like, now we're going. Now, we're now going. we started. <laughs> Let's <we> go. <laughs> it's so great. This show really just gets me going. Um, I I said it earlier, but. I, I put in my notes, Xander is oddly comfortable with objectifying women in front of his female friends. Yeah, well, you could, I mean, you can imagine that Willow has never stood up to him, really. Has right. never been like, why, you shouldn't be doing this, especially in front of me. You could also imagine that they've been friends so long, he sort of doesn't remember she's a girl. True, kind yeah. Kind of a thing. Because he doesn't see her that way. Exactly. And then I would say he's so I would say there's no there's no reason he wouldn't do it in front of Willow and I think in these instances he's doing it in front of Buffy because he's trying to make her jealous right as much as he says as much later he's like hopeful that the reason she's warning him against the teacher is that she's jealous right Um, and she's all what the fuck and even in the in the (laughs) bar when he's with the when he was with Blaine I think his name is Um, yeah I think Blaine Blaine Mall and Blaine tests his masculinity he walks over and he's like babes and he puts his arm oh, around babe what are you doing work with me here blaine had the nerve to question my manliness i'm just gonna give him a visual and bobby's all what the fuck are you doing and <laughs> and he's like they they had the audacity to check my masculinity and willow immediately is like we'll show them yeah she's like grabbing onto him and like rubbing his chest and stuff it's buffy very just, funny and buffy just walks away to angel it's- well, it's exactly what would happen. Yeah, 100%. like I okay. Here's the thing: I love Nicholas Brendan, and I think he is a very handsome man. But like Nicholas Brendan, 1997 Nicholas Brendan standing next to 1997 David Boreanaz, it is no contest. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, don't even I like go. Angel. I don't even think Angel is good. And I just <laughs> there's no question about it. Oh, and this is the first time Xander sees Angel. Who's that? That must be Angel. Oh, is it? Yeah, because he goes, she didn't say anything about him being buff. Yeah, because that's right. He's heard of him, but he has never seen him. Right. This is the one where he tells her to keep his jacket, right? Yeah. I always thought that was such a good line. Anyway, you can have your jacket back. It looks better on you. When I was like first watching this, when I was like fourteen or fifteen, I was like, "Oh my!" <laughs> like, it really made me swoon. I was like, "Oh, if a handsome man told me to keep his leather jacket, I don't know what I would do." Doesn't she also say "uh oh" afterward? <laughs> He's like, "It looks better on you," and he walks away. <laughs> she just goes, "Oh boy." Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, it's like she can see into the future in that moment where yeah. she's like, "This is gonna be so bad. This is gonna end up so bad." It's so good. <laughs> And I love that he's not an asshole anymore. <laughs> not in this episode. Not in this episode. Because he was, he's so, I mean, he tur- he does it later in the a- episode Angel, where he's doing it for a purpose. But in the beginning yeah. of the series, he's just such a dick for no reason. Well, he's so, he's so, okay. Because it again goes to stuff that we like haven't, we're not going to even approach getting to until season, at the end of season two, but... 
when you find out how long he's been doing this and the reason he's doing this, his like mysteriousness at the beginning and the way that he he like acts around her it's so much grosser than it seems at first <laughs> and it seems quite gross at first yeah. it's it's really really uncomfortable once you have all of the implications for it and yeah. it's just like He's in the first place being deliberately misleading because he's not giving her all of the information that she needs at any given point in time. And he's doing it with a smile on his face like he's teasing her. And it's like she could die because right? you're not telling her everything. Asshole. <laughs> like you dick. And it's just and then he's flirting with her. He must know what he's doing to this 16-year-old girl. Right. But it seems like he doesn't totally internalized like he does he like he knows what he's doing but he hasn't like internalized what he's doing so it's yeah. like i mean i know but i don't know what i'm doing and it's just ugh, to me to, to me it's kind of like uh and this is a new revelation because i only just started watching new girl um mm. I'm, I'm late to the party and we're on season three okay. but it's like when coach goes on the date with cc and he's an okay. asshole because yeah. he just doesn't know what to do like he's so into her and he just doesn't know how to act and i'm like uh -huh. oh maybe that's what it, had they written it like that then that would have been interesting to hear him like fess yeah. up to i was just so nervous around you that i w was like i'll be a dick <laughs> yeah yeah, because that's the other thing. Like, it's I don't read it as him being purposefully a dick. Like, I don't think he's being purposefully rude to her, but he is being purposefully too mysterious and right. too enigmatic in a way that is dangerous for her. <laughs> like, physically dangerous for her. Yeah. Like, it could be fatally dangerous. Yeah. And I just... It's like, he has to know that he... Like, when he... When she goes down the like behind the mausoleum in right. the harvest, and he's just like, "You shouldn't go down there," and it's like, "But why? Right. Like you didn't <laughs> she, say why." It's I think it's something too where she's like, "Why do you know what's down there?" He goes, "Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Yeah. I don't know." <laughs> it's like what? What? No, tell her. What are you doing? You definitely do know what's down there. We all know that you know what's down there. You are <laughs> killing me. <laughs> So all that to say, it's nice to see him be nice, Angel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll go through a roller coaster of emotions with Angel. On, on this I show. really do. I really do go through a roller coaster. I am so oh, yeah. I am so excited for our men's episode. It's gonna be so oh, great. Oh God. Ugh. <laughs> That was a little sneak preview you of the only thing I'll be saying during that episode. You escaped me on, I did. on So I'm Watching. I did. I managed to skip that one so we didn't talk about it because That's I right. fucking hate it. You just sign off when we do it. I'm all. So in this episode, oh, Kristen's gone. All right. So. Oh, um. Yeah, I mean that's that's mostly it. It's Xander and Blaine get captured in this episode. And, yeah, we uh, have not outlined outlined the plot at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, it, the the long and short of it is they get seduced by the teacher. It's it's Musetta Vander. She's like uh, yeah, yeah. a lot of she's like a fun character actress. Yeah, and she definitely leans into this role. Mm -hmm. She captures Xander and Blaine, and then Blaine explains to Xander she mates with you and eat your head and oh so few words 
mm-hmm. <laughs> for some reason they're they were very mm-hmm. I it felt very much like it didn't feel like this is clever Joss Whedon writing. It felt like writing around what the network didn't want them to say. Sure, sure. The network was like, we don't want you to say a demon rapes them and eats their heads. So can you like <laughs> dance around that? Say something different. Yeah, say something other than that. And then the revelation that they only, I, I do always love the joke when they're like, It's so unfair how she only went after virgins. <laughs> what? I mean, here you guys are doing the right thing, the smart thing, when a lot of other boys your age... Flag down on that play, babe. I am not. Well, she, that's the... She meant as modus operandi. She only preys on the pure. Well, isn't this a perfect ending to a wonderful day? My dad's a lawyer. Anybody repeats this to anybody, they're going to find themselves facing a lawsuit. Blaine, shut up. It is, it is funny to me in context. That being said... There's no shame in being a 16-year-old virgin. No. <laughs> That's the thing that these high school shows, I think, always go a little too far, where they're like, well, oh, God, I'm the only virgin left. And it's like, your classmates are fucking around because <laughs> 16 is not a shameful age to still be a virgin. Not I just think all. that's one of those weird things where I don't. I also don't think it's a shameful age to lose your virginity, but it's like... It is always made into like such a thing in shows, especially for the boys. And I'm like, I don't. Well, and that te- doesn't compute. The to shows me. are the things that is making that such a sought after yeah. like achievement medal, essentially. Right. Like, oh yeah. well, now I'm like all my favorite shows. I I did it. Yeah, I don't like that. It makes no. me feel icky. Yeah, it's, it's gross. <laughs> Especially just, like it's kids. It's just kids. Yeah. <laughs> like when yeah. we when you're 16, you definitely feel like you're big and you're grown. But then when you're a grown up and you see 16 year olds, like you are a yeah. child. That's insane. Because <sighs> it's like when I look back on myself at 16, I'm just like, if I had had sex when I was 16, I think I'd be a different person. <laughs> I was certainly not ready to have sex when I was 16. That would have been insane. Like, I, I don't even know where I would have done it. I couldn't have done it at my house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what, where is this occurring? There's so much coordinating. <laughs> I know. It's like so, it's so ridiculous. I would have had to like say I was going to someone's house and then had their parents lie for me, the which I would have stressful. never even considered asking. Like, yeah, I don't know. I waited until I was in college and it worked out because I had my own place. Nice. <laughs> You're all, this is much easier. So much easier. I didn't have to tell my parents I was going out. I didn't do anything. It was amazing. (laughs) I wish Blaine had come back a couple times because he's he's almost like a proto-Percy, that the one student that Willow tutors a handful of times. I would have liked if they had been the same character. That would have been kind of fun because I... Percy ends up being like a fun little burst every once in a while. We get like four or five episodes with Percy in it. I just, I I wish we had gotten like maybe a smidge more of like some of the background characters. And we do get a lot. That's not to say we don't get any, but it is confined to like three characters, which are like Harmony and Larry and Percy. And I think we could have handled one or two more that pop up. I do think, yeah, because Percy is such a great... um, little like oh that's the guy from this oh, oh yeah. look there he is oh he's doing oh he's being an asshole like yeah. popping up every once in a while and um same jonathan I think he's even in a season four episode he's uh, even in a college yeah. episode yeah he's yeah, a, he's they, they when see he him at a party. says willow's like this loser or whatever and she's like yes yeah 
Um, and then like Jonathan, who eventually is such oh, yeah, a well rounded character that he gets turned into a villain. Um, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert. Uh, but um, I do. I I feel like have if this show was made now or if they reboot it the way TV's made now, it would definitely lean itself more toward giving all these like background characters yeah. more depth. Mm. Because back then so it it was kind of a huge deal. Usually you have your main characters and then you have a guest star and mm-hmm. you go through and it was kind of a big deal to get to see these things, these characters and ideas brought back every once in a while. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. I remember that from three seasons ago. 100%. And now it's so common that I feel like they would lean into it, which would be really cool. I definitely agree. I think it would be, I think it would be a lot of fun. It's, it's the type of thing that it is a really, um, it's like a knife's edge to like, navigate though because on Riverdale it's sort of tough sometimes because they sort of have this revolving cast of tertiary characters <laughs> that they can just pull in when they need something to happen to not the main characters so it's like someone who someone like Shannon Purser who I think is great is sort of just shoehorned into this role of Ethel Muggs where every time they need a tertiary character they just are like well Ethel can do it and so she's <laughs> so inconsistently characterized that it's like every time she sh- shows up you don't know if she's gonna be like a villain or a hero and it's really really strange <laughs> that's obnoxious I think I've yeah, seen you tweet not, about that where you're favorite. like what is what is her end game <laughs> yeah it do- it like makes almost no sense that's no fun <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean this 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 episode is a very straightforward episode. It is. It's straightforward. It's pretty. It's pretty tight, tightly plotted and written too. There's not a lot of like in between stuff where they're like, I don't know what's going on. They like figure out what's going on relatively quickly, and then it's just a matter of trying to convince Sander that this hot woman doesn't want him. Right. <laughs> and, and and there's also a moment of Buffy te- um taking command when she tells she they mm-hmm. figure out we have to go save Xander and she's like even telling Giles like go to this place and he's like I don't know what to do. Yeah. And she's like it's like a library you'll fit right. Like just <laughs> seeing her step up it's really nice. Yeah. See if you can get her address off the substitute rolls. And you need to record bat sonar and fast. Bat sonar right. What? Bats eat them. The mantis hears sonar, its entire nervous system goes kaplooey. Where am I going to find In that? the vid library. There are no books, but it's dark and musty. You'll feel right at home. Go! It is good. I do I do love the moments where, like, General Buffy comes out to play because yeah. they are not... They are not very frequent. They're mostly saved for end-of-season big bad battles. Yeah. And we don't... I would say we don't even get the first one until season three. Yeah. Like the because first in season one. one and season two, she both times is like, I have to do this myself. But season three is the first like collaborative. Yeah. Big bad battle, which is I think I think it's a good progression of her like security and her powers and her talents. That's true. And she I, does. I appreciate that. She does do like in season two, three, four, five, six and seven. She's. Yeah. General Buffy, and she gets yep. stronger and more confident every season, which is great. S- season six has a little dicey. Season, <laughs> season six has a we go some of... places in season six, <laughs> but I, I arguably deserved places. Yes, oh, one hundred percent. I will defend season six until my last breath. Yeah, I love season, and six. I'm. Li- I feel like I'm one of the only ones. Like we are. <laughs> We are alone on an yes. ice flow with that We're opinion. We're a dying breed. <laughs> yeah. Most people are like, this is too dark. And I'm like, yeah. darker. Yeah. 
<laughs> like make it darker. <laughs> make me hate myself. No, yeah, none more black is where I want to be yeah. in this darkness. <laughs> it's crazy too because it is it is a show that dives into all of the different types of emotions that humans go through. And I think the reason a lot of people have a problem with season six, which we'll get into in season six, <laughs> is that it definitely veers away from the monster aspect of it. Like yeah, when Buffy's, it's very internal. Yeah, when Buffy's depressed, mm -hmm. she's depressed. It's not a, yeah. a demon taking over her body. And so I think that's also hard for people because it's very real. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we're going to get into all of that in season six. Just a heads it's, up to our listeners, yeah. we love season six. <laughs> it's also the beginning of the season is the best her hair ever looks. So oh, yeah, she's got great <laughs> That's why I like it. <laughs> she does. She has a lot. She has a lot of hairstyles. Not all of them are the best. <laughs> We'll get to the baby bangs when we talk about your favorite episode, Amends. Yes, <laughs> a five-hour special. How excited you are! <laughs> so good. Um, and then this episode ends with Kristen's uh, oft-mentioned <laughs> pet peeve. Yeah, it just is like you know she she picks up the glasses where, like you said, it's like a very emotional thing, and then she like reaches into the closet and puts them in the teacher the like good teacher's lab coat and just like leaves him there and then it like pans down in the closet to just like this little clutch of praying mantis eggs human-sized praying mantis eggs and then we're led to believe that they just never hatch because there's right. never a human-sized praying mantis <laughs> like infestation it's just like why would you why would you close in and focus on that if you weren't gonna bring it back up and I think it I think it's sort of a missed opportunity because there are multiple places along the way where that could have Come occurred. Back. Yeah. Certainly in season seven. Oh yeah, that could have definitely Except for that that was yeah. a whole different school, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a couple thoughts on the the one is it could possibly be mentioned in an omnibus, but I haven't read them all, so I'm not sure. Mm, but I okay. I looked it up online and I haven't seen anybody because a lot of people have the same problem. A lot of people are like, Yeah, this cliffhanger doesn't go anywhere. Um, much like a lot of the cliffhangers. Uh the un someone else brought up a theory that in the episode Fredless of season three of Angel those mm. praying mantis looking creatures could have been this because that was six years later it would take six years for them to grow to human form and oh it was like maybe they just God. left because their mother was killed there and they fled to los angeles and then that's where they came back and everybody was like oh shit okay huh <laughs> i mean all right yeah i'm uh, i'm not I'll mad at it, it. <laughs> yeah i'm not mad at it i'll allow it and then that's my freaking crazy i know I, I even looked at it, i was like oh shit um and then the other thing that i was thinking about was more so another way that they could have ended the episode could have been like the way they ended dracula in that like the he's coming back his mm. dust was coming oh, back together and she's sure, like come sure, on sure. i see so like they could have done the cliffhanger of seeing the eggs and then shut the door and then she opens it and smashes them and like sure, just let sure, it be sure, sure. But they didn't do that. <laughs> no, they did not. But I mean, it's it's mostly whatever. I'm. Yeah. It's only the type of thing where it's like I've watched this show so many times that it's and I've worked through a lot of my major issues. Yes. So it's like I'm focused on the tiny things now yeah. where I'm like, you know, I'm just like such a nerd where I'm like, well, if you remember in episode yeah. one. Like, <laughs> you know? Well, and also this is when they had no idea if they were going to get picked up again. A hundred percent. So it's like, like you want to try know. to. They're definitely trying to hook people, and I get right. that. It's just 
pay it off. I think if it were if it were more frequent, because it really is, there really only are like maybe five things that do that. If it were more frequent than that, and if it really, it doesn't also go very much past season one. But if it did, I it would be a bigger issue for me. Yeah, because that that would lead more toward a monster of the week and less of the overarching story because yeah. then it's just like oh my god you guys never pay this off why am i following the show exactly exactly but they end up paying off so much stuff right. and it's like once we get to season two there's like a whole season long villain arc which right. is also very interesting and so it's like season one was definitely just to hook people in right and that's the type of thing where i'm i've come more to grips with that the last few times i've watched it where when I was younger and I watched it, I was like, season one is terrible and I only watch it so I can get to season two. But then as I've gotten older, I'm like, season one is actually great and it's actually so smart the way it does the monster of the week because yeah. then every episode you could have hooked a new person and you didn't really need to have seen the episodes that come before unless you were coming at it from like a completionist standpoint. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing that I really... I enjoy that a lot, actually, about season one. It's something I've I've come to gradually, but I actually think now season one is one of the stronger seasons. It really, it's funny because <laughs> I was the same way where I would be like, oh, I'll get through season one, it's shit, but then you get to the good stuff. But then after <laughs> seeing it so many times, it is uh, a season that gives you examples of what the show is. It shows yeah. you the metaphor concept. It shows you the dialogue. It shows you who these characters mm. are without bogging you down with a big overarching com- complicated narrative. It's yeah. just like, here's here's how we do this show. And then by the end of 12 episodes, you're just like, I get <laughs> it. I am on board. And then you can follow whatever story they tell you. Yeah, and I think it's it's the type of thing that's similar to when people say about like The Office or Parks and Recreation where they're like, well, season one is terrible, but if you get through it, it really starts to pay off. And it's like, I don't necessarily think it's a type of show where you can start in season two. I think you, they do, even though it's a monster of the week and even though it's not aggressively serialized in season one, I think if you don't have that basis for the, core relationship of the main four characters you can't really proceed properly no it like it doesn't it season two to me doesn't resonate as much if you don't have that stuff already locked and loaded even aside from the dozens of references to uh, to season one of all the little things that have happened in season one that's brought up all the time the other things even absent of that like just getting that chemistry foundation in season one 100 percent. because if you don't know xander is in love with buffy and ultimately was shot down by her you don't really understand their relationship for the rest of the season if you don't know willow and xander's thing you don't understand what that means Mm -hmm. when she and Oz and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah I totally it's, agree. It's totally necessary. Yeah, and good, and very good. <laughs> you heard it here on another Buffy podcast. Season <laughs> one is good. <laughs> this is a good show. I think that's going to be the the running yeah. through line. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um. Well, yeah, I think that that's it for Teacher's Pet. This is the uh, this is the episode where mm. um the art that. Kristen um, bought. You bought this art from my site. Oh my God. It's so good. (laughs) It's, it's like when I saw it, I I laughed so long (laughs) at it because it's 
first of all, it's amazing. It's like really cool the way that you're doing it where it's like not very, um, not like super crazy detailed. Yeah. I really, really like that because it's sort of abstracty. But then you positioned it like uh, the graduate. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious. So it's like this praying mantis leg in in the Anne Bancroft like pose with the yeah. and you can see Xander through the like peak of her leg. It's so funny. <laughs> I like couldn't stop laughing at it. I bought it immediately. I was like this is hysterical. It's going on the wall in the podcast room. It's right behind me. Yeah. I can see it from here. It's hilarious. That was honestly one of the easiest one, e- easiest concepts for me cuz often when I like watch an episode I'm like oh I could do this or maybe that's too literal. That's too like out there and it's yeah. it's sometimes really hard and it's going to get a lot more difficult in later yeah. episodes when there's like a billion stories but this was the one where I just thought of the graduate and I was like I know exactly what I it's need to do. It's so funny because I think it would have taken me years to to make that connection to be like oh it's like the graduate it was just it's so it was so it's so immediately recognizable and it's so funny in con in the context of the episode because it's true and it's also a praying mantis lick. It's, i don't i that one i mean they're all so good but that one tickled me so crazy i just was like this is the best thing i've ever seen yay so excellent uh, well that makes me happy uh yeah. anybody listening you can go you can go check it all out at trevorcarleyart.com and that's it that's thanks for listening to this episode you can follow us on twitter i'm at trevor carley and i am uh for my podcast my other podcast i'm at so i'm watching and personally i'm at fiddle dd85 she's usually at so i'm watching usually often, at so, so i'm watching the last few days I've been letting my emotions get the better of me. So we'll see. It's been great. <laughs> yeah. This timeless podcast. Yeah, we are recording this not knowing when we're going to release, but we are recording all of these. We have been recording them all in a very tumultuous moment in American <laughs> yes. history. Yes. It's been super cool. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> We're all, do you want to record today? I don't know. Are we going to have an America tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, who knows if this podcast will see the light of day once the once the actual apocalypse happens. Right. <laughs> we need it's, Buffy. It's, it's absolutely insane. It is. Um. But that's that's our episode, and please yep. rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you next time. Bye.